The first question that I want to share with you about is this. The question was, and, and by the way, your name is anonymous. Your name doesn't go to that uh, question. There's not an ID that follows up with it. So you're free to ask whatever question is on your heart, and there will be no judgment about it whatsoever, so don't worry about that, okay? But here's the first question. Pastor, why can't I hear the voice of God? How do I know God is not mad at me because it seems like he is by him not answering my prayers? Now, I want you to keep your Bibles out tonight because I'm going to back everything up I say with God's Word. Because my Word is not what is important. What is important is what does God's Word say about it. And considering that first question, I want to start off with this. You need to settle something in your heart right now. God is not mad at you. I'm going to tell you something. If God were mad at you, you wouldn't be listening to me right now, okay? There would probably be a, in a in just a burnt spot right there if he were really mad at you. But I think we're all still here and we're all still breathing. God's not mad at you. Matter of fact, he proved that at Calvary when he gave his son Jesus Christ to die for you. Now, do we probably disappoint him sometimes in going against his will and his word? Yes. But that's not being mad at you. Um, this really is not the best of analogies because we're still human and God is God. But You know, you've heard me make this statement before. Sharon, on this earth, Sharon is the person that I love most. And right behind her is Josh. But there's nobody that can make me matter any faster or any matter and want to choke him than Josh. But you know what? In reality, I'm not really mad at him. I'm not angry. There's a frustration. But God is God. So you need to settle it right now that he's not mad at you. Why don't you just say that with me? God is not mad at me. Say it. God is not mad at me. You'd be surprised the number of people that do feel that. And see, part of the question was, how do I know God is not mad at me? Because it seems like he is because of not answering my prayers. You see, we, thank God, are living in the dispensation of grace. And within that dispensation of grace, there is great mercy. And we'll look at that a little bit later on tonight at another place. I want to save that. But you need to understand that God does answer prayer. He always does it. And basically, he does it in one of three ways. God will either say yes, and he'll give us the answer to the prayer that we are praying and the thing that we're asking for. Or God will just say flat out no. And you know what? Every time God has said no to a prayer in my life, it may have taken a while, but I finally got to the point to where I said, whew, I am so glad he said no. You see, God sees the beginning from the end, the end to the beginning. I mean, God knows everything. I don't. He does. 
And I'm so glad that I trust him that even when he says no, there is a great reason for that. And I am in reality going to be blessed with that no answer. But then there's a third way that God will answer prayer. The third way is this. You're not ready for it yet. You see, there have also been things I've prayed for that I have said, God, thank you that you didn't answer it when I asked because I wasn't ready for it. I would have either squandered it. How many of you know that the prodigal son, he was an heir and he had every right to ask for his inheritance and his father gave it to him, but what did he do? He squandered it. He lost it. You see, we have every right to go before the Father and and make requests of Him. But thank God He is a loving Father that knows that there are some things that we just aren't ready for. We're not mature enough for. Our life is not in a position to receive the answer to that. And He's just simply saying, hold on, as you mature some more, as you grow some more in my spirit, then I'll be able to bring this thing about in your life. I remember... When I knew I was first called to pastor or to preach, and I was in my teens when I accepted that call, and by the time I received my license to preach, man, God, oh, God has forgiven me. I'll just go ahead and ask y'all to forgive me too. I mean, I was this way. I was like, move over, Billy Graham. (laughs) WT is here. (laughs) Hallelujah. Or or as Josh and his friends used to call me, heavy tea is in the house, okay? But man, I, I wasn't ready for that kind of action. I had to grow some. I had to learn more. I had, I had to get into God's Word. But when I did those things, then He began to allow for those invitations to come my way to declare His Word and then finally to pastor and still pastoring after 41 years, hallelujah, and loving it. Well, I, I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3. I'm going to begin reading at verse 7. Hebrews 3 and verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, I love that, if you hear, if you hear His voice, You should be hearing his voice. God is speaking. God is speaking. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Now he's telling us not to harden our hearts like our ancestors did in the wilderness when they had been been delivered from Egypt. We have been delivered from Egypt. We've been delivered from the world. And he's saying, listen to my voice and don't harden your hearts where your ancestors tested and tried me, verse 9, though for 40 years they saw what I did. How many of you have ever seen what God can do? The first and greatest thing that I ever saw God do was save a teenage boy that grew up on a cotton mill village in South Carolina and reach down into his life and take the sin out of it when he professed that sin and said, Jesus, forgive me and save me. That was the first thing that I saw him do. I felt the cleanness. 
I felt the joy. I felt the exuberance that came from that. That was my first thing that I saw him do. And I have been watching him do thing after thing after thing after thing ever since then. Hallelujah. Verse 10. That is why I was angry with that generation. See, he did get angry with them. But he said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. Look at verse 11. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now he's talking about the Israelites as they had been delivered. They saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle. Their deliverance was a miracle. And yet they still did not believe him. They still didn't take his word to be truth. And he said, because of that, you're not going to enter into the rest. What was the rest? The rest was the promised land that he had told them was theirs. In reality, all they had to do was walk cross that Red Sea and go into their promised land. But no, they had to fuss and argue and murmur and say, God is not God. Look what he's done by bringing us out here. And God said, all right, because of that, you're not going to enter into that rest. But I I want us to realize something. God said because of Jesus Christ in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. They're going to enter into their rest. They're going to enter into their promised land because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So he's not angry with us. He's prepared a a resting place for us. Well, let's go on. Verse 12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. And has just, as has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. God is speaking. As a matter of fact, do you realize every Sunday you come into this building, you are hearing God speak to you? Pastor has prayed and studied, and he is declaring, thus saith the Lord. He may may not make that declaration every time or several times during his message, but when our pastor gets up to bring the word of God, it is as though he is saying, thus saith the Lord. And, and in the greatest of all humility, I'm telling you tonight, you are hearing the voice of God. God is speaking to you tonight. So don't ever say, I don't hear the voice of God. God is not answering me because God is. He's speaking to you. Don't say that you don't hear him because you You are hearing him even right now. Give God praise and glory for that. Hallelujah. Now, go with me over to the book of Matthew. Matthew 11. And verse 29. 
Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden's light. You're going to find rest. God's going to bring you into that, and Jesus is showing us how. But then if you would, go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 21. Acts 2.21, it says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many of you called on the name of the Lord? How many of you know that you are saved? You're born again. Then you can enter into his rest, your eternal life, through Jesus Christ. See, you even heard that by the Holy Spirit. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Our lives, though, can very often feel like nothing but constant noise. I, I mean, are you that some way sometimes? It's just like, wah, 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 wah. As a matter of fact, there will be days that I do not turn the television on because that's all it is, is yakety, 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 yakety. Our world has become nothing but a screaming match from one person to another. I don't like you because of the way you voted. I don't like you because of who you pull for. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. And that gets so noisome that it is a constant confusion. Voices coming at us from every direction influencing us in the way that we think. Let me tell you something. When God saved you, he gave you a renewed mind. And you don't need to let Fox News or CNN News or MSNBC News or ABC, CBS, NBC, or any of those news people tell you how to think. You know who will tell you how to think? The Holy Spirit will tell you how to think by God's word. Hallelujah. Because he's renewed our minds through Jesus Christ. See, there is one voice that we need to hear above every other voice. And it's God's voice. And so when you're seeking answers to life's challenges, from this question, do you ever wonder if you're hearing God's voice or is it just your own voice that you're hearing? Well, the good news is God is speaking to you all the time. A.W. Tozer, a writer from a long time ago, A.W. Tozer said, it's the nature of God to speak. I love that. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be. And God said, let there be. It's God's nature to speak. And when there needs to be something happen in your life, and God said, and it'll happen in your life, hallelujah. It's God's nature to always be speaking. And he wants to have fellowship with you and me, and he wants you to hear him all the time. You see, God has promised to lead his children by his spirit and enable them, us, to know his voice. 
And that means you can learn exactly what the Spirit of God is saying to you in every situation. You don't have to guess. You don't have to summarize. You can know exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying to you in every circumstance, in every situation that you may be facing. We don't have to go through life blindly making decisions or relying on our own abilities. We can be led and we shall be led by the Spirit of the living God. And so when you learn to tune in to God's voice, then it can and should become an everyday part of your life. That's why when you look into the New Testament, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear Let him hear. And you know what? He said that 15 different times. I think Jesus was trying to get a point across. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. So let me share with you very quickly, try to very quickly share these things of what we need to do. First of all, go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. Jeremiah 29, 13. Now, number one, this is what you need to put beside this scripture. You need to check your receiver. Check your receiver. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. How many of you, and I, I know it's everybody, but how many of you tonight know you can't watch TV or listen to the radio without first turning them on? <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> no, that's not a tweetable, okay? So, Pastor Tony said, you can't watch TV without turning it on. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't you do that to me. When you turn them on, though, you expect to hear something coming from them. When I seek God, I expect to hear something from Him. I have an expectation. I don't seek God and say, Oh, Lord, Speak to Pastor Sawyer so he can tell me what thus saith the Lord. No, when I seek God, I expect God to speak into my life. And God say to Tony, thus saith me, Tony, listen. And then I have a responsibility to listen to what God is saying. The one way to know if your spiritual receiver is on is to answer this question. Do I expect to hear from God? Are you just saying words and calling it prayer? Or when you pray and you seek him, do you expect him to talk to you and to give you an answer? Do you expect to hear from God? Some people will say, well, God just doesn't talk to me. 
But here's an important truth. Even if you don't feel like God speaks to you, he really does. In fact, and I've said it before tonight, he's speaking to you right now. But if you aren't expecting to hear from him, then you haven't turned on your receiver. Listen, God is not going to scream. God is not going to yell. Matter of fact, while I'm doing that, turn over to 1 Kings. I want you to go ahead and get there. 1 Kings. God is not going to scream. God is not going to yell. God is not going to demand that you pay attention. In fact, though, he is always speaking to you. So in 1 Kings chapter 19, guys, do we have the, yeah, you're putting it up. Thank you so much. 1 Kings chapter 19, I'm going to begin with verse 11. The Lord said, see, God spoke. He said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by, speaking to Elijah. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, let me, let me tell you something. God can speak any way that he wants to. Do we understand that? He's God, and we can't relegate him to one course of action. But you see, so often... We're looking for him to speak to us in only one way, through that great wind or that great earthquake. But there are some times, and in actuality, I find this to be true in my own life, he speaks to me in that still, small voice. And I'll tell you why I believe he does that. Because only when I get calm, only when I get quiet, only when I quit listening to the wind and the earthquakes and the fire, only then am I able to hear that still small voice of my God. But I've gotten quiet enough, I've gotten still enough to where I can hear God whisper to me. And I thought about that word whisper. No. I said, can anybody hear what I'm saying now? No. When you whisper, where do you have to get? Right here. See, that's what God likes to do. He likes to get right up next to you. He likes to get right in your ear and whisper in that still, small voice. And we're listening to him. Oh, hallelujah. Who do you whisper to usually? Your loved ones. Amen. Amen. You whisper to those that you love, and that's what God does. He whispers to those he loves. 
Another way to describe how we hear God's voice is through that inward witness. But what is the inward witness? You see, God doesn't talk to us the way that we talk with one another. God talks from his spirit to our spirit, for God is a spirit. And so he speaks being a spirit into our spirit, and then our spirit shares what it heard from God to our mind. We are a spirit who has a soul, mind, will, emotions that lives in a body. Let me say it again. You are a spirit who has a soul, mind, will, and emotions that lives in a body. You know what God's voice sounds like? When God talks to me, God's voice sounds exactly like what you're hearing right now. His voice sounds like my voice because he's speaking to me. So when he talks to you, it sounds like your voice, your voice. It's a familiar voice. It's one you're accustomed to hearing. It's not a freakish, weird, outlandish voice. It's your voice. And he speaks to you with that voice. It's similar to a thought or a prompting. It's very subtle, and it requires that closeness with God and regular practice to hear it more and more quickly and clearly every day. Number two, we have to find his frequency. We talked about checking the receiver. Now we have to find his frequency. Go over with me to John, back into the New Testament. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 4. The person asked, how do I hear God's voice? I'm trying to walk you through that. Is God mad at me because I haven't received the answers yet? No, he's not mad at you. We've settled that. But now we're looking at the things we need to do to hear the voice of God. Find his frequency. John 10, verse 4. John 10, verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Many times we miss God's voice because we're only tuned in to hear some great big revelation. We're expecting that humongous revelation when in fact God is trying to give us some very simple instructions. You see, that's what God will do in the beginning and even for the rest of your life. Obedience in the simple things is very important to God. Obedience in the simple things is very important to God because it reveals your willingness of heart to be obedient to God. When you respond to the simple thing and you react to that, and you do what he's telling you to do. You show God that you are willing to be obedient to whatever he says. See, if you're only listening for that command, go out and part the Red Sea. You may be missing what God is actually saying. 
And what he might be actually saying is, hey, go and straighten your closet up. Oh, we didn't want to hear that, did we? (laughs) I didn't have any amens on that one. You'd be amazed what revelation you can get working and cleaning your closet. Because you see, closets are secret. And when you get into that secret place and straighten them out, God can give you some revelation. I tell you what, when you'll straighten the closet out in your house, you'll straighten the closet out in your house. So the simple thing is, he may be saying, go clean out your closets, uh, closets, or, uh uh-oh, hold on. He may be saying, you need to quit watching those movies and those kinds of TV shows. Oh, hello. (laughs) You know, we watch junk. We let junk come into our spirit, into our mind, into our body, and we wonder why in the world we can't understand the Word of God. Why won't God speak to me when we've got all of this junk in our life? Wait a minute. Ooh. Man. I was anointed when I said that. Y'all should have received it better. (laughs) And you better know, God's dealt with me about the things I'm talking to you about. I've learned these things. When I'll clean out the closets, when I'll quit watching junk and letting junk come into my life, he'll bring great things into my life. Or maybe he's just simply saying, you need to spend more time with your wife. You need to spend more time with your husband. You need to spend more time with your children. God will begin to deal with you where you are, which most often involves helping you walk in God's best by getting rid of the things that are constantly holding you back. You can't walk in God's best if you hold on to those things that are holding you back. You got to let them go. Be obedient to the simple things. God is willing to teach us how to be led by His Spirit. But if we disobey these promptings and the little things, then we'll never be able to graduate to the bigger and bigger assignments. Obedience must become a non-negotiable in our lives. I've heard pastors say this so many times, and I agree, and I've, I've said it before myself, and I'll say it again. If you're really wondering what you need to do to be in God's will, you remember the last thing that he told you to do that you didn't do, and you go do that. And when, while you're doing that, then he'll speak to you about something else to do, and you'll find yourself living and moving and walking in the will of God. Number three, learn to recognize his voice. Number three, learn to recognize his voice. Still in John 10 and verse 27. John 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I know Sharon's voice. Why? Because I spend time talking to her, but more importantly, I spend time listening to her. 
That's why I know her voice. The same is true with many close friends. I know their voice. Pastors used the analogy before that when Sharon calls or a close friend calls, they don't have to necessarily say who they are. Now, I know on our smartphones we've got caller ID. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. We recognize the voice immediately because we've listened to it enough. And because we've listened to it, we know the voice. Here's what you need to understand. Because I know Sharon's voice... Some robocaller or scammer is not going to be able to call me up and say, Tony, I've, I've got a Bahama trip for you as your wife, and I want you to take it. No, you're not my wife. You're not Sharon. You're a liar, and the truth is not in you. You're the father of all lies. Get behind me. Click. Oh, I just did something people don't do anymore. <laughs> Boy, it lets you know how old I am. How many of you had those phones you could do that? You ever got upset with anybody? Didn't that feel good? Click. You ever hit it hard enough that it rang? Bing. (laughs) Now they have to get mad and cut it off like that. And if you're not careful, you won't cut it off. You'll just go to another app and something else opens up. Stick it down in your pocket and tear your pocket. No, my goodness. I've gotten off on an old man tangent. I'm sorry. (laughs) See, some of you are too young. What in the world is Pastor Tony talking about? (laughs) Number four, line it up with his word. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, talking about the Word of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The best way to know if you're hearing God's voice is to line up what you're hearing against the Word of God. God will never tell you to do, think, or say anything contrary to his word. And if you are hearing something that is contrary to the word of God, quit listening to it. God always agrees with his written word. And his word always agrees with him. Psalms 38 verse 2 says, listen, he has magnified his word even above his name. He has magnified his word even above his name. Now, what that means is that God has put his name on his written word the way that you or I would put our name at the bottom of a contract. Now, go with me to the book of Jeremiah again. I love this. I love this. I love this. Jeremiah 33. This is one of the first scriptures that I learned as a teenager going into the ministry, Jeremiah 33, 3. This is something I ask of the Lord regularly. He said, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. There's a lot of stuff I don't know. And I call on God and I ask him, I said, God, show me. 
Show me those unsearchable things, those things that I don't know. God, I want to know those things because I know as you speak to me, it will line up with your word. And hallelujah, I want that knowledge and I want that revelation. Those things are waiting on every one of us. And then lastly, the next question. I I hope I've done a decent job in showing you how to hear the voice of God. There really is so many things that could be said. Uh, There was a great book written. I cannot remember the pastor's name. Some of you remember when I say this. He wrote the book, pastored a great church in Texas. He wrote the book about could you not tarry one hour, showed you how to use the Lord's Prayer and walk through that for one hour. Any of you? Who? Larry Lee. Amen. Find He's got a book on hearing the voice of God. Uh, I didn't preach it tonight, okay? But go get it. It would be a great book to study. You may have to get it uh, online. I don't even know if it's in the bookstores anymore. Question number two, though, that I'm going to answer tonight. How do you come back to God after falling away from Him time and time again? Wow. How do you come back to God after falling away from Him time and time again? Go to the book of First. John. Not the gospel, but over to 1 John, right before the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 1. I want to begin reading at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. We claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness. We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But, listen to this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is, that right there is so powerful. I I really could stop there. If we will confess our sin, He's willing and just to cleanse us or to forgive us of that that we're confessing, professing to him that sin and cleanse us from all the unrighteousness that that sin has brought into our lives. Do you understand that when we allow sin to come into our life that it brings unrighteousness with it? But he's saying, not only am I going to forgive you of the sin, I'm going to cleanse you of all of that unrighteousness. Don't raise your hands. How many of you have dealt with stuff in the past and it's just been a repetitive kind of thing? And you, you've had to go to God. Oh, and, and you truly, you're sorrowful and you, you go before him and you repent. I want you to know God forgives you. Now look, we don't use this as an escape hatch, Okay. We don't say, well, I'm going to go ahead and commit this sin because I can run back over here and ask him and he'll forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. But if we do, 
And then if we will confess it, he will forgive and cleanse. Time and time and time and time again. Matter of fact, go to the book of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. Matthew 18 and begin with verse 21. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Well, he thought that was something. I'm willing to forgive him seven times. But Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. You know what? God's never going to put a standard on us that he will not keep himself. As a matter of fact, I've always found out that God will go above and beyond what he asked me to do. Because he is God. Now, he does ask me some things. He does expect some things of me. And people, he's saying that if we're to forgive 70 times 7, you know what? God's going to do greater than that. And in some translations, it reads that that's actually within one day. 490 times. Did you know if you sinned every 30 minutes, it would take you a little over 16 hours to to reach that 490 times. That's what it is, 490 times. But I don't know about you, but, but I need to sleep a little bit. Now, the only time I've had to get up and repent is when I just had a dream that I couldn't control. But let me tell you something. I'd get up and repent because I don't want that junk staying in my spirit all day long. Now, don't you sit there and act like, well, I'm so pure and perfect. I never dream like that. First of all, I'm not going to tell you what I dream so you don't know what I'm talking about, all right? And I know the Holy Spirit. He's not going to tell you either. Hallelujah. But there's been some things I've had to get up and I said, my God, that was in my, in my subconscious. That got a hold of me during that. No, Holy Spirit, forgive me. God, forgive me. I don't want to take that with me throughout the day. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. Wherever those thoughts came from, I rebuke that dream in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to walk in your purity. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over me. But nevertheless, we sleep sometime, but it's going to take you 16 hours committing that sin every 30 minutes. <laughs> Man, you know, we get so tied up about the craziest of things. Man, God, he's willing to forgive you. Lamentations 3, my last verse. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. Just listen to this. Write it down. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. Listen. He said, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are consumed for his compassions or mercy. They never fail. They are new Once a year, 
They're new every 10 years. They are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Give God praise. Give him praise. See, that's the dispensation of grace and mercy that we're living in. His mercy is brand new every single morning. I just kind of got overwhelmed by something that I thought about. God doesn't keep score against me either. Because his mercies are new every morning. And when I say, God, I do repent, I am sorry, and he forgives, he forgets it. He doesn't keep a score. He doesn't say, oh, you're two strikes down, one more strike and you're out. No. He, he doesn't say, oh, but remember what you did last week? Remember what you said last month? Remember when you came to me about this last year? No, he doesn't remind me of that. His mercies are brand new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He's willing and faithful and just to forgive when I ask him. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand up with me, please. It's time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 God is not mad at you. He will answer your prayer. He will speak to you. Just as he speaks. And I love our pastor, pastors, he and Miss Phyllis. I know God speaks to them, but you know what? And I'm thankful for that because I get to hear what God has spoken to them on Sundays or when I have an opportunity to speak to them privately. And as much as I enjoy that, I'll tell you what I enjoy more. When God speaks to me and I hear his voice. Because I say, thank you, God. You love me just like you love Pastor. He loves you and you and you and you and you just like he loves Pastor and Phyllis. And he speaks to you. Tune in to what he's saying. Listen. Slow down. Listen. Let him get close to you and whisper in your ear because he loves you. But if you have sinned, just come to him. Ask him to forgive you. And he does it. And then he cleanses you with that blood of Christ of all unrighteousness. Now, you know what he'll generally say to us? He will say, now go and sin no more. Because he doesn't want us to do that because that does drive a wedge between us and him. But if we do, We have an advocate with the Father, and his name is Jesus. And when we come, Jesus said, But Father, I died. I shed my blood. I've given them eternal life. Forgive them. Forgive them. And God does. And then once again, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness.
Oh, my God, I don't deserve it, but I sure am thankful for it. Hallelujah. 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 Father God, we come in the name of Jesus Christ, and I thank you for every person here tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to share this word. And, Lord, I pray that the things that have been spoken, that they will have heard your voice. God, I know you used me as the instrument tonight, but, Father, I want them to hear your voice. I want them to recognize your word, God. And, Lord, may they walk according to your word, and may they be led by your Holy Spirit. And may they hear your voice, even as you get close and whisper in their ear. Bless them. Anoint them. Father, every desire you have for them, may it be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Every plan that you have planned for them, may it be accomplished in their life for the glory of God. I thank you, Father, that you're moving in their life right now, in their spirit, their soul, and in their body. Your will to perform. Bless them now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.